Welcome to the Give Back Economy, a podcast about social innovation and social enterprise. Now with your host, Peter Miller. Welcome, and tonight we're going to talk to Sherry Burke from Shared Stories, and we're going to find out more about what that means in just a minute. So welcome, Sherry, and tell us about your academic background. Hi, Peter. Thank you so much for having me here today. Um, Yeah, so my academic background is quite diverse. I have an undergraduate degree from the University of Guelph in ecology, which I finished in um, December 2020, 2000, and then um, uh, graduated in February uh, 2001. And then I went back to school to do my master's at Carleton University. Um, and my fieldwork was in Mayo in central Yukon. Um, and it was a great experience in a community-based project. And then after that, I worked for quite a few years with Parks Canada, and I decided to go back to school to become a teacher. So I went to the University of Ottawa, and in 2009, I finished um, there and have taught for several years. Um, I did adult education and staff training with Seneca College. Uh, just for some upgrading, and now I'm doing my MBA with Robert Kennedy College. So yeah, I have quite a diverse um, and varied academic background. Sounds like some of you didn't want to go to work. (laughs) Well, I think I've just always really loved school, and I've had very positive experiences, and so it's been interesting in many ways um, being able to combine, you know, my background in ecology now with some of what I'm doing for my MBA and as well um, teaching and public speaking um, and as well all of the great um, experience with project development um, with respect to my master. So it's kind of um, has all been very much cumulative and built upon itself and I think that allows me to tackle problems from a number of different angles and see a lot of interconnectedness. So Sherry, with all that background, somewhere in there you did some work to pay for all yeah. that education. Yeah, definitely. Well, I mean, I had a, I had a scholarship for my master's, um, and I was fortunate to have my, um, my parents um, support me through my undergrad, and then um, I TA'd and had a scholarship for my master's, and then Teachers College at the time was only an eight-month program, And I had worked for several years with Parks Canada um, doing environmental assessment. So obviously that helped to pay for teaching. And then I've taught um, in the Arctic, in Pangerton, in Nunavut, and as well in Northwest Territories in a a small remote community called Sigachik. I've taught in uh, Montreal with um, Inuit students um, at, uh, they were attending John Abbott College. And I just finished um, teaching at a francophone school here in Niagara. So, once again, a very diverse work background, similar to your education background. Yeah, I think so. I mean, I've always, um, I was very lucky when I did my undergraduate at Guelph. I got to go to um, Australia to do an exchange to Perth, uh, Western Australia, to Edith Cowan. Um, And from there, I really just wanted to travel a lot more. So I was fortunate to go as part of a study abroad program with other University of Guelph students 
and we went to Jaipur and Rajasthan in northern India, and we lived with families there. Um, and it was an amazing experience, and maybe not an experience a lot of people just traveling to India would necessarily have. And we attended the University of Rajasthan, and all of our curriculum was based around um, India. Um, so dance, politics, um, philosophy, independent studies, um, language, Hindi classes. Um, so it was, it was a great experience. Um, and so I think with teaching, one thing I like about the profession is that you're not necessarily bound to a particular location. And I've always loved the Arctic and the North, so it was great. I had really positive experiences teaching there. Um, so yeah, it's, it's been nice to be able to have that flexibility in work location. With that academic background and that work background, when are you writing your book? Uh, yeah, so I'm not, um, I write children's travel guides, so that's what I predominantly focus on, and so it's, they're based on um, my daughter Stella, her experiences. So the first one is on Japan, so it's called Stella's Stories from Around the Globe, Japan, and then the second book in the series is on flight. Um, so my daughter flies with a female aerobatic pilot out of the Niagara District Airport here. Um, and so it's really to, we started like a mini ground school. And so the idea behind the, the books is to offer travel guides that are written um, from my perspective and travels, but also infused with Stella's, like a young person's perspective. Um, and she gets a lot of say in terms of their development. And then the blog component is really to treat books as not such um, static objects and to be able to have them evolve over time. So the one on Japan, um, she was taking Japanese language lessons with someone here locally. Um, and so to help her along with that, we created the Wabi Sabi Words blog. And then with flying, um, Lizzie, who she flies with, was generous enough to do a mini ground school with Stella. So they do a ground school like typically Saturdays, sometimes Sundays, and it's not very long. And then I listen in on the lessons and then I package the lessons so that other children that maybe don't have the opportunity to have those experiences get to learn from them and those go on the blog as well. And then Stella will fly with Lizzie. Sounds like you got a daughter who's taking after her mother. Oh uh, yeah, she's a lot. Um, I mean, I didn't have I, I didn't have the same experience as she had when I was young, and so I waited a lot longer to have them, um, and I'm just very fortunate that I was able to have the experiences I have had. Um, but for Stella, she's obviously started a lot younger, and so she's done a lot of things that I had to wait till 20 or 30 <laughs> or beyond <laughs> to do, so yes. Okay, so let's start with the organization yeah. that you and Aranza started. Yep. Shared stories. Where did the name come from? Yeah, so the name was, um, it took a while to sort of come up with that name. So we worked a lot with um, Kate Collins at Seneca um, throughout the development of this program. And so the shared stories is really about offering meaningful writing workshops um, but we sort of wanted to get away from that idea of a workshop because it seemed maybe a little bit too academic. 
um, or school-like. And so we went through sort of iterations of what the name could be. And really the idea of shared stories is just coming together as a collective, um, knowing that everyone has a story to tell. Um, some people are given more of a voice than others. So shared stories is really about giving opportunity initially when we, we developed it, particularly to seniors um, to have a voice um, and as well to facilitate that through the story writing process. And just, you know, I think about my own family, my dad who passed away in 2016, but he was a, a, a phenomenal storyteller. So just to think about, um, you know, the stories people have to tell and some get to tell them and some don't. Um, and so that's the, that's the um, background behind the name. Okay, so shared stories really good with seniors because then younger members of the family can understand the background and what that person did. Yeah, it's a really good point. So a lot of it actually um, is some of the workshop material stemmed from as well the fact that I live in um, a multi-generational household. So there's my daughter, myself, and my mom. And Stella would ask my mom very often, you know, tell me a story, what it was like when you were younger. And I just think about, you know, having had my father pass away and, you know, we do have some recordings of his voice, but we don't necessarily always have the story to go with it. And so when we sat down, when Caroline delivered um, one of the series of, of workshops and my mom took part in that, uh, because she's visually impaired, because she's in a she has mobility restrictions, um, we wanted to do something that maybe uh, was a bit different. And so what she did is she paired photographs and stories and some of the stories that she developed with Caroline facilitating and then put her voice to them so that Stella and my nieces could have a collection of stories with her voice images and to have a bit more meaning behind those photographs as well like a story to be paired with them and it was something that she could do because it was really her providing the voice sounds to me like uh, family websites could uh, set up from this kind of approach yeah i think the, the yeah the stories for sharing website which aranza was great in terms of getting that developed um, uh, the thought behind that as well was to provide a common platform so individuals could take part in the workshops and then if they wanted to, it provided an opportunity for them to share their story there and to connect with others. And I think that's important because, you know, as someone who self-publishes, self-publishing is, is, is fantastic, but it can be an expensive process. And not everyone has access to that. So to be able to provide a platform that's already created, shared, um, and then individuals are contributing the content, um, we thought would be a, a great idea. Well, what about a Burt family website? <laughs> yeah, I don't know if we would be willing. I don't know if we do something like that. But I think what we will continue to do, you know, is return to my mom creating stories around some of the images and the photographs we ha have and pairing them with her voice so to create memoirs so i spoke to caroline recently to see about offering um, some workshops in the fall so one of them will focus on um, creating meaningful memoirs and then having sort of these time capsules that she can facilitate individuals in creating so that they can really 
um, um, devise something that fits their personality, is in the medium of their choice, and that allows for those intergenerational connections. And I think that's really powerful. And then if for some individuals, if they want to share it on the platform, they certainly can. Um, but if it's something they want to keep private and within their families, then that's obviously up to them. So yeah, the, the thought is to move forward with, um, we've devised uh, three different workshops. So one is on meaningful memoirs. One is on playing with poetry because Caroline is a very um, uh, skilled and published poet. Um, and then the other one is a shared story starter. So it's sort of this, I would sort of describe it as like the appetizer. So it gives you an idea as to what the other workshops might be like, um, but those others are longer in duration and more tailored towards specific topics. But Sherry, I wish I could talk to my grandfather now. Yeah. He was a hero in the First World War. And then my sister who passed away from cancer. I'm sorry. And, uh, you know, I mean, there's so many questions I have. Yes. But if I tape them or videotape them and then put them up on a family website, yes. we could all share them. So that, yeah. that would have been an incredible experience. And then I could say to my grandkids, hey, look, this is what your great, great, grandfather did in the first world war How yeah i think that's that a be? yeah i think that's a wonderful idea peter in terms of you know having that shared space for everyone to have access to those stories whenever they want to access them and it's and it's for your family right so yeah that's certainly something that caroline could facilitate if that's something someone wanted to do absolutely to put together you know a digital time capsule I think that's a great idea. Okay. So besides the workshops, what else do you do as part of your service? The, the book part is outside. It's not yeah. part of the business. No, it's not. No, so that's an entirely separate business. It's not has It does not have anything to do with shared stories. So shared stories really originated from um, a collaboration with cabbies. So we were awarded a $5,000 grant uh, for the Center uh, for Aging and Brain Health Innovation. And with that money, we came up with our initial idea around, um, it, you know, the focus was really on reducing senior loneliness and isolation. And so groups came up with a variety of different ideas to, to tackle that issue and it was uh, during COVID as well um, so it was quite timely and so ours was to really focus on this piece of creating meaningful connections and so much about um, you know keeping um, you know the the brain active and reducing cognitive design uh, cognitive decay or decline is to focus on you know certain development or continued development of skill sets so really the the sharing of stories, so oral communication, the written communication piece, infusing some digital literacy into that as well. So we wanted to do something that, you know, um, really focused on reducing isolation and loneliness, um, connecting seniors together, was skill-based, um, and allowed individuals to have a platform in which to share their stories should they want to do so. Um, 
And so with that $5,000, we were able to pilot the program. We were able to have access to Cabby's um, SAP and LEAP panels, so a pa panel of seniors that really gave a lot of excellent advice in terms of, you know, considering aesthetics for the website and considering safety around connecting online and how best to connect with seniors and different considerations. So that was great to have all of those collective voices. Um, and they have a lot of experience in, in advising in terms of being on those panels. So that was great. Um, and so that influenced a lot of our early design. So we really wanted to think about, you know, if we create a website, is it user friendly for the demographic we're working with? Um, for individuals that have vision impairment um, or hearing impairment, are we considering them in our design, right? Um, and we did that, we tried to do that as much as possible with the workshops as well. So to always think about ways to accommodate um, the individuals that were taking part. Um, and then we also had the opportunity to pilot with a long-term care home, Amica, and we had two seniors and one staff participate as well. And so it was great to have, you know, we had three at-home seniors and then we had two um, in-home seniors in terms of long-term care homes. So it was nice to be able to go through that process, have Caroline facilitate, and then uh, Aranza take part as well. And Aranza be very influential in terms of a lot of the design work, um, the e-learning resources and supports. Um, and then to think about moving forward, how do we keep that group together so that we can continue to build on what we initially started. There's another grant out there that you may want to investigate. It's called yeah. the New Horizon Grant. Okay. And uh, it's it's mainly for seniors. I got one a few years ago. Okay. To increase socialization yes. in a multicultural community that we have in Markham. Okay. So, so something to consider. So yes. So looking at what you're doing. And going forward, where do you see the organization in three years? Yeah, so that's a good question. Um, we've had the opportunity as well with our pilot to also um, partner with NWT Literacy Council. So Caroline led um, workshops to a younger demographic because that was what the grant was tailored toward um, in Northwest Territories in Sigachik. Um, so a, a few things. One, we want to continue to work in Ontario, but one of the nice things about um, going virtual is that it really opens up the, you know, there's not so many geographic restrictions. Um, you know, I speak English and French, Caroline speaks English and French, Aranza speaks English, French, uh, some French, uh, Spanish, Portuguese, some German. Um, and so what's really nice is that we're coming from quite a diverse and multilingual group to begin with. And so that's something we want to do going forward is to be able to preserve that. So to really focus on, you know, a few different key components, the intergenerational component, which I think is, um, you know, so important in terms of preserving stories, um, allowing families to have access to, you know, memories and to keep that um, uh, together for them and, and to help the individuals package that if, should they want to. Um, and then as well, that multilingual piece. So allow individuals, again, if they want to share stories in their native tongue. Um, because I think, you know, I think about sometimes with French, it's clearly my second language. And sometimes, you know, French can seem like a, a, 
a sweater that doesn't always fit, right? So you feel when you're trying to communicate in a second language, it's not as familiar. Um, and so if you want to if you want to convey something that you know is really meaningful or you want to convey something that's very humorous, um, you know, or has a lot of sentiment, sometimes it's harder to do in your second language. So I think that's the nice piece about shared stories is that as a group collectively, we're very multilingual and we respect that and we respect the storytelling process in one's native tongue. Um, so I think definitely um, focus on, you know, um, offering these workshops in starting in October and um, grow from there. Um, we would love to, again, offer workshops in Northwest Territory. So the thought is to pair art and poetry and to focus also on as art as having very uh, healing aspects as well. Um, and then, you know, I, I think definitely Ontario, Northwest Territories, we're already connected um, to continue to expand to other provinces and territories um, and maybe even internationally as well. I mean, I have quite a few connections. Caroline does, Aranza does. Um, but to sort of take the growth um, one step at a time, just because we are still a small organization. Um, but I think a lot of people have stories to tell and they don't always have, um, you know, it, it sometimes to get back into the writing process takes time. Um, but the nice thing about having Caroline as a facilitator is that, you know, she, she works really well with a senior demographic and she'll sort of gently nudge participants out of their comfort zone. And she infuses a lot of humor and um, just humanity and connectedness into the workshop. So I really felt throughout the pilot program that she was such a natural fit to be delivering these. But obviously, if we want to grow and expand, then we have to look at bringing in other facilitators as well. And hopefully, she could be the one that trains them. Well, it's interesting. I have a new neighbor who just moved in. And he's Japanese. But, yes. But the story is really interesting. His parents went to China. He was born in China, but grew up in Japan. Okay. And then came to Canada. Yes. And he yes. has a daughter in Markham. Okay. A son in Toronto. And a son in Tokyo. Oh, wow. So very um, diverse location. Exactly. Yes, yeah. So it's, it's, it's just, you know, kind of interesting to see how stories, family stories, can really yeah. tell a story. Yeah, definitely. And to even think about, you know, a, a, an interesting piece on the, you know, if, uh, if a family were to develop a website is just, even I'm fascinated by maps as well, just all of those different connections geographically um, and the, again that's the nice thing about um, technology is that it does facilitate so easily the maintenance of those connections without necessarily having to physically go there but that's nice too well it, it's it's interesting you mention that i have started another initiative on disability mm -hmm. and uh it started based on a gentleman in South Africa who's blind. Okay. He's been doing this kind of 
activity for 20 years. And the other one was in California, a PhD lady. And what she did is the College of Adaptive Arts hmm. for post-secondary youth and adults to learn and learn courses and drop in and drop out of the course. An incredible learning experience. Yeah, definitely. And I think that's the nice thing about your podcast as well is that you have, you're able to collect stories that, you know, resonate with individuals regardless of their location yes. um, and on such, again, a diversity of topics, which is, is fascinating to hear. Well, the, the, the gentleman the, this afternoon was interesting. He's, uh, he started a business that data gives back. Okay. And 25% of his revenue, not his profit, goes to an organization in Barrie, Ontario. And the okay. organization supports youth who have lost their parents. Oh. And he had lost, he and his sister had lost their parents. So what's interesting about his story, Sherry, he has a hyphenated name. Okay. The biological name and the adoptive name. Huh. And usually you don't, that's, you know, typically you would see hyphenated names from yeah. both parents, but that's yeah. nice to have that connection because obviously both sets of parents were influential in... It, it's kind of exciting to, to hear about that kind of story. It, yes. make, it yes. makes a difference. Yes, definitely. So, Aranza's not here tonight. She's kind of your co-partner, I guess. In mm -hmm. this. Yes, yeah. Can you tell me a little background about her? Yeah, so um, Aranza's from Mexico, so she's uh, fluent in Spanish, obviously. Um, she recently graduated from Seneca in the um, business administration program. And I was fortunate enough, um, when I was initially applying for CABI, I needed to work because I was no longer, I was just alumni with um, Seneca and tied to Helix. I needed to work with a Seneca student. And so I was very fortunate to be able to have Aranza come on board for this project. And it worked out really well because she had to fulfill a certain number of hours. And we just sort of started by, I, you know, she, I gave her the project description. She already had that, um, you know, prior to obviously coming on board. Um, and then so I just asked her, you know, what skills do you want to learn? Because I think the, the internship has to be meaningful. And she already brought so much in terms of um, design work and aesthetics. And so she really focused a lot on that, so developing the e-learning supports. Um, but one thing she had not done previously was to design a website, and her family owns a restaurant in Mexico. So I thought, well, you know what? Why don't you be the individual to initially design the website? Because um, then for your parents in the future, if they need a website for their restaurant, then you can assist with all of that. Um, so she did a lot of her design work in Canva, which is something I work, I work in Canva a lot as well. And she did a great job in just, you know, pulling together color schemes and a, and a palette and, um, you know, that consistency and, um, 
tying together the e-learning supports and getting the website initially off the ground. Um, and these are all transferable skills that she can carry forward to whatever she works on next. Um, so I was very fortunate to have someone that was keen to learn and then also brought, you know, a very, um, a very unique skill set um, and then is now able to apply that to whatever she does in the future. And hopefully she stays on board in terms of um, continuing on with her sex of this project. So Sherry, can you, just before we close out, yeah. can you give us a couple of uh, success stories? Yeah, definitely. So I think um, success stories would be as a collective being able to have access to a $5,000 grant and really stretch those resources as much as possible to come up with e-learning supports, a website, being able to pilot programs, offering two uh, distinct um, sets of workshops. So that was definitely a success story. I think another success story is... Um, you know, um, offering these pilots and having individuals that, you know, are already very talented writers to begin with, but maybe we're out of the writing sphere for a bit and to see them gain confidence over the course of a few sessions and to share with others and to, you know, really get back into expressing their voice. Um, you know, another success story would be uh, we had an individual on that at-home seniors group, and she had paddled the Nahani in her 60s. And just for her to be able to share that experience with the group was fantastic. Um, and then a final one would be, you know, someone like my mom, who doesn't write very often, who is limited in terms of sight and mobility, and being able to adapt what we do to meet her needs and knowing that it's something we can do going forward. So it's, um, yeah, it's been a very fun project to be a part of, and we've met some great individuals, and it's been great to run it to the north. Um, and so I look forward to whatever we take on next. 